Whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the paperboy, the evening TV. You miss your old familiar friends waiting to surround the band. Everywhere you look, everybody's on Footballers to another edition of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, but you probably know me better as the late round quarterback. And I'm joined by my co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, how are you? Hey, not too bad, JJ. How you doing? Doing all right. You know, last time we talked, uh, it was right after the, the Ravens won the Super Bowl. And I think I've calmed down a little bit since then, thank God. Uh, you, stopped, you stopped crying yourself to sleep? I've, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, uh, yeah so, I mean... We're we're finally into the off season and Twitter is now filled with uh, all the draft nicks. Draft nicks everywhere, man! Wow, they're, they're everywhere. It's insane. And they're the the crazy thing is that like like there are people on Twitter that you didn't know were draft nicks that are draft nicks. Yeah, yeah. It's like they came out like like the guys. This this is who I am. I'm a draft nick. Yeah. So this whole time, this whole year that I've been doing this fantasy football stuff, it's been like yeah, like. I mean, like, I, I thought I knew these people, but I don't. You don't? I mean, look, not that there's anything wrong with that. But, right. you know, I, I would appreciate some honesty in, in, in people telling me who, you know, if they are indeed a draft Nick, if, if all they think about is the NFL draft 365 days a year. I had no idea, I guess, because they just kind of uh, on the side play fantasy football. But, wow, it's, it's, it's it insane. is unbelievable. I, I will say this. There are some guys out there, like, like Josh Norris. Josh, it's unbelievable how much yeah. these guys know about about college football and and the transition to the NFL. I give them mad props for for their insane knowledge. I actually I broke down and I watched the combine on Saturday. I think I watched offensive linemen run 40s. Oh, yeah. And I mean besides being you know kind of depressed that they would smoke me, a 340 pounds <laughs> lineman would smoke me in the 40. Uh, I, I also just, just kind of, I felt, I felt like it was a little bit, you know, like a, like a cigarette for a cocaine addict or something like <laughs> yes. just, just a little bit of the edge was taken off. I felt, I felt okay after that. I, I, I will, I think that's, that's actually a good, a good thing to dabble in for me right now. Yeah. It's definitely interesting stuff. And I, I think if any of, I mean, if anyone out there is not following, I don't know how you wouldn't be following if you're listening to this podcast, any, any of the real draft nicks out there. I mean, it is it is insane, and it's a really, it's really interesting. You'll learn a lot just about, just yeah. I mean, like I'm not the biggest college football fan in the world, uh, but to just see the kind of things that uh, that people look into uh, when they're when they're trying to to see if a player's fit for the NFL or not, it's really insane. Actually, there's someone I, there's someone that I know who's a high school head coach, and he was telling me how colleges recruit, and one of the things that they look at is facial hair. What? Like they they get to that because they want to see how far along in development people are. So they will look at the fa- the facial hair of a high school athlete. Wow, that is unbelievable. So if they have like 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 legit beard, like uh like huge sideburns, then they're yeah. more likely to be smiled upon. 
Right. So, so like, it, you know, if I'm graduating high school with a full, full beard and I'm 6'3", then I'm probably not growing anymore. But if I'm graduating and I'm 6'2", and there's oh. absolutely no hair on my body that shows room for growth, and I could be this six foot seven monster. Okay, so it's the opposite. So if yeah, you're yeah, right, baby right. faced and six two, then that's good. Okay. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. The, the more of a baby you are, I, I wonder if high school football players often shave just just for that. Just right. I mean, I would. I'd be shaving every part of my body. <laughs> and this is the part of the podcast you might want to. T- now, yeah. while JJ talks about shaving his body. This is the part of the podcast where we talk about uh, what we wanted to talk about tonight, which is two things, really. Uh, the first, we're going to go through some just quarterback philosophies. Obviously, I, I love quarterback value and what that's all about. Um, but we'll, we'll get through that. We'll talk through it. And then we're going to talk a little bit about defense. Denny's going to be really upset when he talks about current defense ADP that's going on right now in some mock drafts. Uh, and then we'll obviously close with our rants, uh, as we often do, always do, on these podcasts. Uh, but let's start with quarterbacks. So we all know how deep the position is this season, and yet there are uh, – crazy thing is is that there are people that accept that the position is super deep, and yet they're still ranking quarterbacks in their overall rankings in the top ten. Matthew Barry, perfect example. Go Google his rankings. Look at his description. He talks about the fact that he's going to often talk about how deep the quarterback position is in 2013. And yet, if you look at his rankings, I think it's like 10, 11, and 12 is Rodgers, Breeze, Brady. So I, I, I don't get it. I just, I don't get it. Denny, can you, do, you, do you have any thought as to why something like this would happen? I mean, it seems like a kind of a, an outdated model to me. Um, uh, I, you know that 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 kind of ranking for you know players who are clearly the best uh, in their uh, in their position at their position uh, seems like something that um, would have been easier to buy into five, six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, and um, but I just, I mean, I know that. The, the more that I play uh, different different kinds of leagues, depending, you know, it doesn't really matter the scoring unless it's a really wacky scoring system. Uh, I just, I, I don't understand uh, how you could feel good about snagging one of those guys early, except for if you just love Drew Brees or love Tom Brady, like on a personal level. Right. But uh, from, a, from a cold, strict, objective fantasy point scoring sis, uh, uh, perspective, you know, you're, you're losing. Right. I, exactly. And I, I, uh, I think that it boils down to three things as to why people think drafting a quarterback early is a good idea. And, and let me just tell our listeners that this isn't a, a sell of my book coming out in May, or this isn't a sell as to things that I've written in the past. This is legitimate conversation between me and Denny talking about quarterback value, how deep it is, and legitimately why it's a bad idea. I cannot stress it enough, especially in 2013, why it's a bad idea to snag a quarterback early. But what what I really want to hone in on, I think there's three things that uh, people use to validate taking a quarterback in the early rounds of their draft. The first thing is that there's the same quarterback from year to year in the top five, ten, right? There's the same guys every single year. So they, and then 
that same person who's doing this analysis will say, oh, well, let's look at running backs and receivers. Oh, look, there's different guys every single season in this top right. ten. That's the, that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is that, just in general, quarterbacks score more points. That's their argument. Quarterbacks score more points. And what are you going to do about that, JJ? You can't do anything about that. They, they score more points. I want them on my team. So, so how can you convince me otherwise? Exactly. That's, that's the argument. And the third one is that people draft quarterbacks in order to eliminate busts in the early rounds of their draft. I think those three things are the three reasons why people take quarterbacks early. So let's just go through each of those three things, Denny, and we can, we can kind of just go back and forth and chat about it. So the first one is... The same quarterback from year to year is in the top five, but if you look at wide receiver and running back, that's not the case. Do you have any any rebuttal to that? I mean, just speaking, I'm I'm trying to you know think of uh, kind of a devil's advocate way to approach this, and I think that that you're I think that if my whole goal, my whole reason for playing fantasy football would be to minimize risk to the nth degree, uh, then I guess you know that it, it starts to make a little sense on that level because if I really, really am terrified of making a mistake in the first round, then you know I'm, I'm probably going to gravitate toward those ultra-safe quarterbacks who I think score tons, tons more points than the, mid, the mid-tier quarterbacks. Right, and I see what you did there. Who you think score... Tons and tons. But no, no. But see, it feels like they score more, right? It feels it like does. Drew Brees. It, you know, he feels like he scores so much more than than the Flacco's and of the world. You know, it's true, and and that's such a misconception, I think, in general with uh, with quarterbacks, is that we've we've fallen in love with these elite guys, and they are elite because they're they're really good at what they do. I mean, they're like Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady are unbelievable. Uh, but but the problem is that's that's not what what fantasy football really dictates. Is it's not what they do in the field. It's what they do in the stat sheet. So what I actually have, and I talked to Denny about this a little bit earlier today, is I, I'm I've put together this uh, master sheet, uh, kind of outlining how quarterbacks perform and running backs and receivers. But we'll start talking about quarterbacks on a week to week basis. And this is something that I'm really trying to push in my book in May. But regardless. Something that's really, really interesting about this. So I looked at how many, uh, so let's say we have weeks 1 through 16. I didn't look at 17 because it's pretty irrelevant to fantasy football. But we have weeks 1 through 16. And then I I looked at the top 12 quarterbacks each week. Why the top 12? Well, you're starting one quarterback on a team. And if your quarterback ranks in the top 12, then there's a decent chance, a pretty good chance, that you're going to outscore your opponent. And, And bear with me. I know it's a very, very high level way of looking at this. But it's interesting nonetheless. So I looked at week to week who scored points in the top 12 at quarterback. And throughout the entire season, 38 different quarterbacks ranked in the top 12 in fantasy football in a given week. Wow. 38. Unbelievable. Which is insane to think about because there's 32 teams in the NFL and I'm pretty sure each of them are just starting one quarterback. Right, so, so Tebow got in there somehow, I think. Yeah, well, there's, there's guys like, like Kirk Cousins when he played the Browns earlier this year. Uh, Nick Foles has one and then Michael Vick, I think, has a few. Uh, uh, right. Brady Quinn and Chad Henney both had one. Henney's was against the Texans. Uh, but but there, are, there are, so from numbers 38 to 31, each of those guys did it once. 
right? But as you go up the list, when you hit number 26, so 26 guys scored in the top 12 four or more times this year, which you take a step back and you think about it, and it's incredible. What does that show you? Without getting deeper into the numbers, it shows you how replaceable these quarterbacks really are. There are guys sitting out there, like, I don't, I mean, you can pinpoint any of the, Andy Dalton was a top 12 quarterback seven times this year. That's, uh, well, early on, he, I mean, he, right. he had a stretch where he was like my go-to streaming QB, yeah. Right, exactly. And I think, I think part of, part of what we see as consistency is that we look at cumulative data, right? We see the end result because of course, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all of them are, are in, in, uh, in whom I'm Drew Brees. They, they're going to finish as top quarterbacks. That's not the argument here. The argument here is that they're just not that much better than the rest of their position. And I know that Denny, Denny agrees with the argument, uh, even though he's playing devil's advocate there. But you can keep playing devil's I, advocate if you want. No, yeah. No, I, well, here's, here's what I would say if, if I was really married to the idea of you know, drafting Aaron Rodgers in the first round would be I can plug and play my guy every single week with with the potential for him to go bonkers because Rodgers could light up anybody, which right. I don't, you know, you you wouldn't disagree with that. I wouldn't disagree with that. But that's and and obviously that's where uh, your ability to find exploitable matchups kicks in, right? So if you're confident in your ability to to pinpoint spots where a quarterback could succeed against weak secondaries against injury riddled defenses maybe if the team has turned to a pass heavy kind of uh uh uh, format in the in the last few weeks and and it's he's his pass attempts are trending up uh you know that if you're confident in your ability to do that then there's no reason to just have to plug and play but if you if you really i I mean you know i i'm not i don't use this word lightly but if you're scared that you're going to make a mistake, then yes, the the appeal of plugging in Aaron Rodgers against anybody any week, every week, is is uh, is too much to overcome. I think. Yeah, and I that's something that I often say is that if I'm drafting a team tomorrow that I can't touch ever again, right? You're just drafting it and you can't do anything with it. I'm going to take a quarterback early. I yeah. absolutely am taking a quarterback early. That's not the the argument here is the fact that. You can pick up guys off the waiver wire. You can trade. You can have a backup that you switch in and out, and you can play the two-quarterback system where you're playing matchup each week. I mean, there are so many variations and ways to put in the correct quarterback in your fantasy lineup that reaching to get that particular guy, that stud quarterback, isn't really necessarily the best way to approach it. I mean, one way to think about it, so, you know, we start one quarterback in our, in our standard lineup, right? And we also start one tight end in our standard lineup. Right. And if we're thinking about the word value here, which is how much better is this player compared to other players at his position, because that determines what value really is. If we, if we look at value, we should then start to think about, I don't know, someone like Aaron Hernandez is probably the equivalent of someone like Aaron Rodgers. Sure. I would think that Aaron Hernandez to the rest of the tight ends is probably just as much better as those tight ends as Aaron Rodgers would be to the rest of the quarterback class. Now that's not saying that you know Aaron you should Aaron Hernandez is a is a better player than Aaron Rodgers. That's not right. saying it, it's just the fact that that that's how fantasy football is structured 
And because this new quarterback class is even better, you should feel even better about drafting quarterbacks late. Sure. And and to, just a step further on the tight ends, there is no quarterback comparable to uh, to Gronkowski. You know, right. the, the the dominance that he has at his position when he's playing. I know he missed a bunch of games, and so people you know might might let him slip a little bit this year. But if you look at some of the PFF data on on exactly how dominant he was per snap per opportunity, it's it's off the charts. There there is nobody uh, at quarterback who is as dominant as Gronkowski is at tight end. He's on his own on his own tier, just like Calvin Johnson was in uh, 2011, and would have been in 2012 if he wasn't so incredibly unlucky with the uh, touchdown um, uh, five touchdown catches. So. Uh, that, that that's that's what we're talking about here, and obviously that's what JJ talks a lot about on uh, on Twitter and in his books. Which, by the way, uh, he told me off air that uh, if you don't buy his book, he's going to block you on Twitter. So <laughs> when he when he says that this is not a a push for his book, he's he's totally lying to you right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean that's clearly true. But yeah. uh, the, you know the other thing too. Um, with quarterbacks and, and this this consistency idea of quarterbacks being better year to year, there's there's a few things that I a couple of things that I want to touch with that. The first thing is the fact that you can't compare the top five quarterbacks to the top five running backs to the top five receivers. I don't know how many times I've seen articles that try to do that when it's just completely unfair. You're starting more running backs and more wide receivers, so you shouldn't be comparing top five quarterbacks to top five running backs. You should be comparing top five quarterbacks to top ten running backs because there's usually two uh, running backs that you're starting in a, in a typical lineup. So that, that's the first thing. The second thing is that quarterbacks have a longer lifespan in the NFL in general. Running back lifespan is like two and a half years. So when you consider that, they're just inherently going to – be ranked higher year after year. Plus, there's less of them. So, I mean, that's another reason. And then lastly, like, who cares, right? Like, you, why, are, why are you looking at rankings from 2009 to make judgments in 2013? You're looking at rankings yeah. from the pre... From, I'm, when I'm drafting in 2013, I'm looking at rankings from 2012, maybe a little bit in 2011, to just, just to see how a certain player was used. But I'm looking right. to see how I'm not. I'm not looking at rankings from 2011 to to draft in 2013. Like, sure. you mm-hmm. know, in 20, I'm not looking at D'Angelo Williams and saying, "Hey, I'm going to get him in the first round." No, because D'Angelo Williams was like the 24th best running back this year. That's just not going to happen. And he's like going to be traded, and he's 30. Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's it's uh, just it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I I think uh, also the the nature of of kind of selecting, deciding to go the route of the late round quarterback has definitely changed just in my relatively short time playing fantasy football. Uh, you know, back when I first started playing like 06, 07, I would, uh, I would really, I would pinpoint maybe one or two quarterbacks late in the draft who I could get, who had somewhat legit prospects for putting up decent points. Right. But, uh, and the draft boards, you know, in ADPs for for quarterbacks used to look, it used to look much different. I, I'm just looking at some right now. Uh, so if you wanted to wait on a quarterback this year, um, you, you're not waiting to grab Mark Sanchez. Okay, let me just read some of these uh, 
you get Romo in the mid seventh. You get Kaepernick in the early eighth. You get um, Roethlisberger in the early ninth. Uh, you drop down a little more, and I know that this guy is you know fantasy kryptonite, and everybody hates him. But he was better. Actually, he was better than Eli Manning on a game to game basis last year. Uh, Michael Vick is available uh, at uh, in in the late tenth round right now in, in drafts. Then I know you. I know you don't like him. That's a value. You can't argue against yeah. that. So your 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 pick, uh, your selection of late round quarterbacks has really really picked up picked up the pace in the past. I would say year or two. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if that's because JJ's strong arming you into uh, uh, going his <laughs> way or or what, or it's just common sense kicking in because that's that's what you know we talk about is this is not exactly rocket science this is not something that requires like a scientist's mind to understand just play a little bit and you'll realize yeah you know i was actually i was at a bar one night and uh, i had a friend i have a friend here uh in cincinnati who's originally from australia and he's he's slowly gotten to american sports which is great and he he loves baseball and he's still more of a rugby guy than than a than a football guy but i was explaining him the concept of the late round quarterback right and it took me about five minutes to just because he understands the positions in football and he you know he he understands the basics of the game, but I dug into what fantasy football is and how it all works. And after about five minutes, he just kind of looked at me and he was like, he was like, okay, like that's okay, because it's just so obvious. Like it's right. it's such an obvious thing when you when you need one of something and you need two of something else. You should go after the two of something else because you need more of them. You're going <laughs> to yeah. pay a higher price to get those things. And and like I was trying to think of an analogy when when I was talking when uh, when I knew we were going to talk about eliminating busts in the early round uh, by drafting a quarterback and people thinking that that eliminates busts. And my analogy, my my, I don't know how this came out, but it was just because you want a steak doesn't mean you should get it at TGI Fridays. <laughs> Right, like there you go. I, right? I get it. You get it. It's like it's like why? Just because you just because you want something doesn't mean that you should settle for something that's just that's just that something. Like you shouldn't. There's no reason to get that quarterback because he's just really nothing better. He's just a TGI Friday steak. Right, right. And another way of explaining it maybe to someone who 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 really has always gone the ra- the route of the early round quarterback, it would be to say. To say, is it statistically impossible that, uh, let's say, Ben Roethlisberger outscores Cam Newton this year? Okay, Cam Newton's being taken in the third round right now. His ADP is uh, uh, the uh, third pick of the third round. Uh, Roethlisberger is the fourth pick of the ninth round. Okay, so six rounds difference. So is it impossible that Roethlisberger scores more than him or even comes within 20 or 30 points of them, meaning right. that really you're only sacrificing a point and a half or maybe two points a week if, if you go uh, the uh, Roethlisberger route. I mean, is that um, is it is impossible? And, I mean, obviously if you're like some Cam Newton fan, you're going to say, yes, it is impossible. But it really, <laughs> it really isn't. We know that. Eli Manning could outscore uh, uh, Cam Newton. Colin Kaepernick could, you know, very – not easily, but readily outscore Cam Newton. Let's just yeah, let's be honest about it. When you look at these rankings, when you look at running back rankings, you're not going to look down and say, oh, you know what? 
Dewan Harris could definitely outscore Arian Foster this year. Right. He's not going to. So right. you know, even it, even it just, I, I think, it just kind of boggles my mind when that kind of simplicity doesn't sink in. Yeah, I, absolutely. And and you know, I I published that top one hundred, the the eight thousand word literature of the top one hundred on my website, <laughs> which took me forever. But epic. Yeah, and and I, so I published it and. And I posted on Reddit. I'm going to get more into this in my rant. But uh, someone someone posted on Reddit then in a, in a comment saying how ridiculous it was for me to rank Ryan Matthews ahead of Drew Brees, uh. right? And and it's because people just look at these players and look at what they do on the field and cannot comprehend value. They value in fa- I can't I can't stress this enough. Value in fantasy football is not even close to the same as value in football. Realistically, running backs don't really matter in football anymore. They're not nearly as big of, a, of, of impact players as they used to be. Quarterbacks are clearly the most important player on offense. And the, the, there's no argument there. The argument is in fantasy football. It's different. It's fake. It's made up. It's imaginary. We all, we all just love it because it's this fake game. It's, it has right. nothing to do with, with real football. But, you know, you, you actually brought up a, a point that I wanted to ask you about because uh, I saw some conversation going on on Twitter uh, with Phil, uh, the late-round quarterback writer, and uh, I think Matt Riddle was involved and some other guys. Uh, but it's, it was about a- average draft positions and how you utilize that during your draft. So I think this is kind of, kind of important uh, since we're talking about how far these ADPs or where, where these late-round quarterback ADPs are. So I wanted to ask you, you know, when you're entering a draft, are you very cognizant as to as to where these players are going on average, or is it just something that is just there and you just go with best player available when you're drafting? Well, I think you have to be uh, like I mean, a, a huge part of of fantasy is understanding who you're playing. Uh, so if you're entering a uh, a league like full of fantasy sharks, which I mean, there are leagues like that. Then you really have to be on top of your game and understand that ADPs, uh, the ADPs collected from hundreds of thousands of mock drafts by people of all fantasy skill sets, are not going to have a whole lot of meaning to you. If you enter kind of a kind of a, a more casual uh, type league, then knowing where people are choosing players is critically important. It's like it's like in poker, choosing a game that you can win, right? Mm-hmm. Like like poker sharks will circle around uh, a uh, a set of poker tables for sometimes for hours looking for the perfect game to get in on because mm-hmm. they see how people are playing right so if you know how people are going to play you have a huge edge on them just before you even sit down to draft you have a you have a monster edge so yeah i do i usually you know depending on the league but most of my leagues i pay like like for instance my like home keeper league with my friends and brothers in law I, I definitely pay a ton of attention to ADPs. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're very informative. They they let me know which guys are going to be overvalued and which guys are going to be undervalued. It uh, makes me supremely confident in in how I uh, value players. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. You know, I I told them uh, on Twitter. I jumped into the conversation at one point and I was like, "Look, you have a market value on players. Like like imagine if you're buying stock." Or you're or sorry, you're selling stock, and you know exactly how much it's going to be sold for the next day. So, and, and you can tell right there if you should yeah. sell it or not on that day. I mean, 
to me, ADP is extremely important because you're able to at least see how the general, like you said, how the general masses are thinking. But I think another thing that's important that is kind of related to ADP is that just going with best player available, which I know a lot of people do. A lot of people claim that they did that when we were talking about this on Twitter. But just going with best player available is a horrible, horrible idea Terrible. because you're yeah. you're now you're now not taking into consideration how the draft is actually going. So you know. I, wow, I, I love to take quarterbacks late. You know, everyone always asks me, they're like, oh, but but what if everyone takes quarterbacks late, JJ? And I tell them, I say, well, then I'm going to take a quarterback where he's valued. Like, I'm going to take Drew Brees in, like, the fourth round because that's where he's valued. Right? Oh, sure, yeah. Right? Like, it has nothing to do... The, the, the late-round quarterback idea has is not just me drafting quarterbacks late. It's me rec- trying to recognize what value is and trying to push forth that... Okay, this is what value is. Oh, I got to market this some way. Oh, the late round quarterback. Right. No, no. You're not. You're not just. You're not just looking for late round quarterbacks for for your health or for the fun of it. You're right. you're 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 making sure that they're a value before you select them. And no no quarterback is a value in the uh, in in the first. I don't even know. For definitely not the first round. Not the second round. Right. The third round probably not. Right, right. I would think. Well, I think I think that's where you get into the into the Breeze territory, and I think I think Breeze is honestly in his own tier right now. I would not. I, I I sincerely I would. If you look at his numbers last year, he's got a higher number of pass attempts. He, uh, like I was talking about earlier, the week to week consistency piece. He was he was ranked in the top twelve more than any other quarterback. He, yeah. you know, other than his I think three point performance against Atlanta, he was he was gold this season. And right. And, you know, he's a guy that, that I think, you know, he's not to the Gronk level of, of value or anything like that. But he's definitely, I, I've been surprised when I've seen Drew Brees fall to, like, the fourth quarterback off the board in some oh. mock drafts. What, what, what's that about? I, yeah, I, I, I don't I've know. seen that, too. I don't, I don't understand that at all. I don't know if people are getting cute or what, but it, it could, you know, I, I do think, though, looking into next year, it's like, it's like so, there's so many quarterbacks and people are valuing them so differently. Like it is insane. Like it I looked is. at, you know, I wrote that one article for Roto World and I used Evan Silva's top 150 to reference uh, how he ranked the quarterbacks just to show even if you're the last guy to take a quarterback, you can still get Andrew Luck, who was Silva's number 12 quarterback. And, you know, just looking at his rankings, which they're not wrong, they're rankings, and just looking at his rankings, it's, they're vastly different than someone like Mike Clay on, on Pro Football Focus. I mean, it's right. it's crazy. The, the rankings are insane how different they are. Uh, so repeat that stat about uh, how many quarterbacks uh, finished with top 12 performances last year. 38. 38. So it just I, I think that that's just an important number to remember. Uh, that, that, that number blows me away. And, uh, you know, if that doesn't speak to the replaceability of the position right now, then uh, then I don't know what does. That, that's that's the most. I feel like that's like a kill shot for for late round quarterback types. Is just yeah. just to say there were thirty eight guys who had top twelve performances, who had QB one performances. That's what we mean when we say you know so and so is a QB one this week. You know, yep. that's 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 what that means. So that's uh you know that that's an amazing stat. And if you if you're confident in your ability. To gamble a little bit, find a good matchup for a mediocre quarterback. Then you know there, there's no other way to go, at least for me. Yeah, and and you know, kind of in that same uh, breath, I think that you know 
there are a ton of running backs who finished in the top 12, okay? So there, there were 93 who finished in the top 12, at, or top 24, sorry, at running back. But what Denny's getting at there is the fact, and what you're getting at there, is the fact that we know which quarterbacks are touching the ball in a given game, right? You can, you can say, okay, Kirk Cousins is playing against Cleveland this week. I know Kirk Cousins is going to throw 30 times in this game, right? Mm-hmm. Which actually, I did, I, did you know that, that 21 quarterbacks last season averaged 30 or more passes a game? And that didn't, that didn't even include Roethlisberger, Kaepernick, Russell Wilson, or RG3. Really? Wow. That's unbelievable. Well, I bet Stafford pushed that number up with his 86 attempts a game. But, right. Well, know, no, I mean, no, I'm, I mean like, the, if you go through the top 21 uh, attempts leaders, they all averaged more than 30 attempts oh. a game. Wow. Yeah. It's more than 480 passes in the, uh, over the course of the season. I mean, but, that, but that's something else. I mean, you know, we always hear it's becoming more of a passing league. It's almost kind of a cliche. It kind of goes in one ear and out the other because we've heard it so so much. But you can't, you know, even though we've heard it and it's passe, it's still true. And it's yeah. something that needs to be taken into account when, when you are valuing players for, for this coming year. Yeah, I mean, like, the offensive plays are, are not there's, – there's not necessarily – a ton more like it's I mean there's there's more because the game's stopping and and uh you know the, there's not as many ground and pound teams but it's not as though what, what it's doing is that it's diminishing the value of of every down backs because they're not touching the ball nearly as much in fact I, I saw I looked at this today there were so if you look at the top 21 running backs last year in fantasy the top 21 each of them had 200 plus carries okay mm-hmm there were only 23 running backs in 2012 with 200 plus carries, meaning every running back except for two of them, who had 200 or more carries, finished in the top 21. There were no top 21 running backs that got under 200 carries, mm. and the guys that finished in the top 24 that didn't get it were D'Angelo Williams and uh, Darren Sproles, I think. Mm. And but and then the guys who had 200 carries and didn't get in were Darren McFadden, because he couldn't get in the end zone, and Vic Ballard, because he couldn't get in the end zone. Yeah, so, oh yeah, Vic Ballard, what, did he score like two touchdowns? Like two or three, twice maybe, three times. Yeah, he's one of, he's one of those guys, I mean, to, not to get too far off topic, but he's one of those guys that I'm definitely going to target next year as, as the plotter, like RB3 kind of guy. It would be awesome to have him. But, uh, you know, back to the, to the discussion of... of Top 12, top 24, top 24, uh, when you look at quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. The crazy thing is, is that there were 93 running backs that finished in the top 24 in a given week. 93 different running backs. Not instant, you know, the 93 different guys. Like, Anthony Dixon got in there one week. Baron Batch for Pittsburgh. Uh, Javorski Lane, who everyone loves because of his name. Uh, <laughs> there, you know, there, there's so many guys, but you have to think... When you're going into a week, you're not going to put Javorski Lane in your lineup. You're never going to put him in your lineup because you have no idea how many times he's going to touch the ball. Whereas Kirk Cousins, you know he's going to throw the ball. While you might not feel as confident, you at least know he's going to have a chance to put up some good solid numbers against a team like Cleveland especially. Right. Well, I, I did start Javorski Lane in, uh, in my 22-team league last year. So oh, okay, yeah. I don't know if you could say never. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's true. That's true. They, I I might do an eighty-six team league next year. Maybe he'll maybe he'll get <laughs> an RB two spot. Um, yeah. No. I I've actually uh, uh, talking about ADPs and 
and uh, how mock drafts are shaping up. I know it's I know it's way way too early to really uh, put a, a ton of stock in it, but it's pretty typical, um, and it's something that's happened every year that I've tracked it. Um, I've seen the the ADPs of defenses stay fairly mid round, some late round, but um, it it makes uh, it makes absolutely no sense. I just wanted to address that for yes. just just a minute here, if that's okay it's, with JJ. Yeah, of uh, course. It, it's it's completely absurd. It's it it doesn't now see the quarterback thing. At least that feels right, you know. Like it yeah. feels like Tom Brady throws a lot. It feels like he, he, you know, he he puts the ball right where it needs to be. He has all those weapons and everything. So, at least at least you have some sort of uh, excuse for for how for how that feels, right? The the defense uh, argument is is ridiculous on a few levels. I, I'm not going to get into all those levels because this will be a six hour podcast, but. <laughs> um, I'll just point out right now that the Seattle defense right now has an ADP of uh, the eighth pick of the seventh round, okay? Oh, my God. Uh, if you were to see some of the skill position players going after the Seattle defense, uh, it would make your brain bleed. And uh, I, wrote a, I wrote a thing for Sports Jerks um, back near the end of the season, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't include all the season stats because I wrote it after week 13, uh, but it, it talked about the uh, obviously like the innate replaceability of fantasy defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just read you some some of some of what I wrote there. Uh, the 49ers had uh, the highest ADP last year uh, because they were so dominant in uh, in 2011, and they they really were. I mean, they scored in double digits eight times and and scored 169 fantasy points. That's that's a ton of fantasy points for for a defense. Okay, yeah. um, they uh, you know they went in the uh, late seventh round in 2012, and people. I went to the fantasy football fest convention in Atlantic City, and when people did mock drafts, and they would they would land the Niners defense, and you would have thought that they had just won their league. I mean, it was like bam, clinched it. What are you going to do? I'm done. <laughs> And and uh, so here's here's how that worked out through through 13 week. Well, just just to give you a summary, the uh, the 49ers finished 10th in total fantasy points among defenses last year. 10th, okay. So the the Cardinals defense outscored them by three points. Okay, right. the Rams defense outscored them by five. Uh, the uh, wow. the 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 Bears defense outscored them by more than 70. So. Yeah. That's just uh, an example of why, like mathematically, uh, there is no correlation year to year for how fantasy defenses do. Uh, that it, defenses have that similar with kicker uh, with kickers uh, have that in common with kickers, which is why we don't draft kickers until the last pick. Correct? Right. Yes. Um, right. Um, so it's uh, it's crazy to see these these ADPs persist. Uh, you have the Bears going in the eighth round. You have the Niners going in the eighth round. Now, the crazy thing about Seattle is that, because Seattle going in the seventh, is that they were the fourth 
leading defense in 2012. It's not like they ran away with the points title. <laughs> right. And like people, Chicago, people were blown away, right? They were just right. like, oh, my God, I have to have them, right? They right. were fourth. They were five points behind behind the Patriots, who were, I think, were undrafted. It, they yeah. had an ADP oh, yeah. of undrafted in leagues last year. Yeah. So I just wanted to say, I know it sounds like I'm doing our end of podcast rant right now, but uh, here, no. here's your criteria for drafting defenses, do they have a favorable week one matchup? That's that should be your only criteria. Yeah, you look for a weak offense. You you put up a defense against those you know weak guys, preferably with your defense at home, and bam, you have a you have a great streaming defense, probably a top ten option, maybe even top five. And and your league mates reach for the Bears. They reach for the probably the Broncos, who were the second highest scoring in twenty twelve. So, you know, it, it just don't fall into that trap as as easy as it is because I know everybody wants the best at a position and you want the best defense because just because they were the best defense the previous year. Yeah, I think that's that's where you really can take advantage of uh some some uh fantasy football noobs is when they start to draft to fill a lineup. I mean, it, it it's just what people do. They just draft because they're filling a lineup and just throwing value out the window. And, yeah. you, you know, I do wonder, quite honestly, it, it, because kickers, defenses, tight ends, and quarterbacks, you, you in the standard lineup, you start one of them, right? So logically, mathematically, the same, or sorry, mathematically, the same logic is there with all of those uh, positions. But it's not until you attribute fantasy points to particular players as to where you see where value actually sits. I right. wonder if we could start this movement where there's actual, some, like, there's actually some sort of correlation between kickers from year to year, and we just start this movement, and it just becomes it, we 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 start this early round kicker movement to the point where they 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 see what we're saying, right? But then we say, "Haha, gotcha." This is the same thing that you got to deal with 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 quarterbacks right, and defenses yeah. and tight ends. Yeah, no, I think that could, I, well, we, didn't we meet an early round kicker guy? <laughs> yeah, oh God! I mean, that was unbelievable. That was uh, I, I do. I do want to point out that even so, people were enamored of the Niners' defense in 2012 uh, in 2012 drafts uh, because they had a, a great 2011. But if you put that in in, in that the, that 2011 uh, year in context, you have the the Seahawks who had an undrafted ADP in 2011. They finished 22 points behind the 49ers. Okay. 22 points for the whole season averages out to 1.4 fantasy points per game. What so advantage. if you had taken the Niners defense in the seventh round or early eighth round, like their ADP was, congratulations, you scored a point and a half more <laughs> than your opponent who rolled with the Seahawks all year and uh, drafted them, actually probably picked them up off the waiver wire. So it, <laughs> it just makes no sense. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people listening to this podcast and a lot of people following us on Twitter are more of the obsessive variety of owner and right. and I appreciate that and, and they don't they they would say well n- no one does that no one drafts uh, a defense in the seventh or eighth round I I don't do that no one I know does that but it still it happens a lot and that's yeah. that's who I'm trying to talk to I'm not talking to the shark who is doing 45 mock drafts a month right now right. I'm just I'm talking to like the the cat, the casual person who has like a good, you know, a head on their shoulders. They're mentally stable, <laughs> unlike most of us. Okay, so I, I envy you, and I'm telling you, 
Sweet Jesus, please leave defenses <laughs> on the board, okay? Oh, I love it. It's so tr- it's so true, though. I mean, it's people. I, I've been in many. Like last year, I drafted for a couple people because they couldn't make their draft slash they just wanted me to draft for them. And, <laughs> which I don't. I never understood. It's like it's like okay, look, I get you're spending fifty bucks in this league, but like, like, don't you want to at least have some sort of enjoyment? Get some sort of enjoyment out of it? No, no. It's. It, I'm telling you, it is. It's uh, a fear. I think it's fear. I think it's. I don't want to screw up. And yeah. Uh, I, I, I get that it's a natural human tendency to like, it's like self-preservation. I, I really believe that it's, it's, it's that kind of instinct that kicks in that you have to overcome if you really want to be successful. And I, I'm not talking about having people draft for you, but I'm talking about rolling with favorable matchups over your comfortable plug and plays. Your th- this podcast is free and Denny is giving us all life lessons. <laughs> there you go. I've, I've read too many poker books, guys. Please help me stop. <laughs> That and dad books, since you're my dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I forgot. I forgot that I am your biological father. That's right. Man, I, I, but, you know, the, the whole, you're right. You, you have to, like, in, in instances like this, we, we're not necessarily speaking to everyone because there are plenty of people out there that are obsessed with, with fantasy football. But there are millions of people that play it, and... There are millions of people that are drafting defenses in the mid rounds of their drafts, so we gotta we have to call them out and tell them to stop. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you you just just resist the urge. I know, I understand the urge. In fact, I think the first year I played, I took I took like well, I used to be a Dolphins fan before you know I uh, I had the fanhood uh, you know the fanhood left me, but uh, I'm jealous. The, yeah, so yeah, I'm soulless now, and the uh, so I used to I took the Dolphins defense like absurdly early just because just because you know why because I didn't have a defense at the time that's right. why you right. know and but and and a lot of people do that it's just it's just not where you're killing you are killing your team don't don't kill your team be nice to your team yeah well and another thing we're we're actually you know while people think that they're saving themselves embarrassment by uh by by taking positions that are filling their lineup that you know they're they're doing the right thing by filling their lineup but they're what we're actually doing here is saving them embarrassment in the chat rooms that when they take David Akers in the ninth round people won't be laughing or people you know now they won't be laughing at them because they're not going to take David Akers in the ninth round can I can I give you just real quick here before we move on uh, Steven Goskowski is going in the tenth round so podcast is over. Can't do this anymore. Just, yeah, I know. I, I I quit. I quit. I I can't. I can't do this anymore. I mean, this is this is like this is like the news. This is like when I heard Joe Flacco won Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> God, this is bad. Whew. All right. Well, on that note, I think it's time that we uh, we enter enter Rantville. Can we call yeah. it Rantville? That's the new name, Rantville. Yeah. No, I. I uh... I, I like I like it better than my hometown name, which is Durwood. Durwood. So uh, yeah, okay. I, I it, no, it feels a lot more country bumpkin than it actually is. But I would live in I would live in Rantville if I could. Yeah, it would probably be a bunch of a uh, bunch of degenerates uh, just <laughs> screaming at their fantasy football lineup every weekend. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll start with the rants this week. Um, so so my rant is titled "No Rankings Are Wrong, But People Are." Okay. 
So I just wanted to talk about, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I posted my content on Reddit <clears throat> because, uh, you know, the site's a great traffic driver. I don't know if you, if you other site owners have used it or not, but do it because it's a phenomenal traffic driver and you get some good conversation uh, around your, your pieces. But I decided to post my top 100 piece to it last week, uh, which I mentioned earlier, and I figured that I'd get some up and down responses because it's such a subjective piece. And people, people tend to really react to rankings for whatever reason. Uh, but, but one of the early responses that I got from the rankings was from a guy named Smot. S-M-O-T. His name was Smot. Okay. He said, and I quote, I don't think you can have Foster as an RB6 and expect people to take you seriously. Oh. So clearly Smot doesn't read because I showed why I believe Foster should drop a little bit lower than, than an ADP of three uh, of the third pick overall. I used some uh, pro football focus articles to back it up. I think it was Chad Parsons' article. But, but Smot, let me just tell you something. You're wrong. You're wrong because nothing has happened yet, and you're wrong because it's February, and the 2013 season doesn't, it doesn't end for another 10 months. You're wrong because nobody can be right with fantasy football rankings in February. So I think, I think we need to realize that rankings are there for conversation, and that they're, they're there for debate. They're not there for people to simply look at and criticize and not give positive feedback in any way. Now, I'm not trying to do a, a Michael Jackson, we are the world here, but I'm I'm trying to, you know, like, for instance, I went on Twitter the other day, and Lat Davies, uh, late-round QB writer, had his rankings in a, in a Google spreadsheet, and I saw that Michael Crabtree was, like, a low-end wide receiver, too, which, to me, was insane, because I think that Michael Crabtree has crazy upside in 2013. And, and you know, instead of saying, Lad, I can't take your ranking seriously because you have Michael Crabtree as a low-end wide receiver, too, I said, Lad, tell me why you ranked him so low. He gave me a valid response. We moved on. You learn, you dissect, and you continue on with your life. So people, don't be like Smot. While plenty of us enjoyed the 8,000 words that I wrote, I hope, I know there are also other Smots out there. And before you troll me or any other fantasy writer who posts rankings, just know that you look completely idiotic when you harshly criticize something, especially something with some sort of substance, without, without that something ever even occurring. So I can't wait for Arian Foster to be an RB6 this year, and I can't wait for Smot to lose his fantasy championship. <laughs> Go to hell, Smot. I hate you, um, Smot. I don't, hate, I don't hate a lot of people, but so Smot. I know I sound, sorry. Go ahead. What were you saying? I was, I was going to say I don't hate many people. There's two people that I hate right now. Two, Joe Flacco and Smot. <laughs> uh, so I know I sound like a super degenerate to, uh, during this podcast because I think I've referenced poker like three times now, um, <laughs> but kind of uh, kind of in a dark place with poker right now. So uh, I, I was actually – I wrote a piece for Sports Jerks uh, that's going to be online I think maybe Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I'll tweet it out 55 times like I usually do uh, when, when, it's, <laughs> when it's online, but – um, it's based on this um, on this excerpt from uh, from a book called Poker Winners Are Different, and uh, the if you just replace in that book, I, I highly recommend it. You can get it really cheap on Amazon. Uh, if you re-
replace the word poker with fantasy football throughout that book, it, it pretty much works like 90% of the time. It's unbelievable the uh, kind of the replaceability of poker with fantasy football. So I'm going to read you just this excerpt right now and, and uh, tell you why I wrote about it. It says, uh, losers respond primarily to their natural urges, especially their desire to be comfortable and to preserve their cherished illusions. Because winners are so intensely competitive, they resist their natural desires and do whatever it takes to maximize their edge. They frequently ask themselves, what is really happening? Why is that happening? And instead of relying on first impressions and instincts, winners constantly seek new information and feed it back into their mental computers. They keep their minds open so that they can process that information well. So... That, to me, uh, spoke volumes about how people manage their fantasy teams. Uh, so, the obviously, you know, you're not going to have a lot of success. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be successful, but you're not going to have a ton of success if you take your quarterbacks in the first round, if you're, you know, uh, if you take sort of safer running back options over guys with more upside, guys like, uh, you know, the, the, the spillers of the world, um, uh, Jamal Charles, who is whose ADP is falling, and no one knows why. Uh, and um, the so, if you apply this to the way you manage your team, it's uncomfortable, but I promise you, you'll do better overall. Uh, it also um, would. Uh, the, I, I get into how people mistake uh, you know, one-time success, short-term success for guaranteed strategical. Uh, perfection, right? So, I think actually, I think you and I were uh, talking with a guy on Twitter the other day about how he drafted Aaron Rodgers in the first round in, in every league, and he won all but one or something. Yeah, and right. so he he used that as a he used that as a as a way to say um, that's the way you win fantasy championships championships because I did. Now, whether that's true or not, who knows? But I mean, it's just it's using one, a one-time occurrence to, you know, prove something that can't be proved with with a one-time occurrence. So right. uh, that that sort of safe uh, approach that you referenced earlier, that we talked about earlier, with the late-round quarterback versus the early-round quarterback, is something that will get you in trouble more times than not. And if you open yourself up to more information to new information that kind of shakes you a little bit, kind of rattles how you feel about about the game and about your approach. If you open yourself up to that, I promise you, you'll get better, and and it'll happen quickly. Man, I hope Smot's listening to this. <laughs> it's that... just I, I would never close myself off to information, even if I think it's, you know, even if even if I think it's wrong on the surface, I'll I'll read it, I'll yeah. I'll listen, you know, just right. like you did with Latin. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think that's that's hugely important. Is that uh, you can tell, and we've talked about this before, but you can tell which fantasy writers read other people's content. You can tell which writers are actually doing their work and seeing all the different ideas out there. And there are plenty of times where I've admitted to the fact, and it's not like this late round QB idea is anything new. It's just that. It, it, it became fantasy dogma in a way when 
big names like Matthew Barry were pushing this early round quarterback uh, strategy to everybody. It wasn't, but it wasn't like what I did was groundbreaking because I've been playing fantasy football for years and I have seen other people write content around this strategy. Right. It's just taking that to another level and just digging into it more and basing every single thing that I do now in the writing world on this strategy. But at the same time, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, you, you can't, you can't get better at what you're doing without learning from what other people have done. Yeah, and accept that you're wrong sometimes. I, I've I've been wrong plenty of times. I, I I'm free to admit that. I think if you don't admit that, I'm going to think less of you. If you if you right. think that what you do is perfect, then I'm not going to think a whole lot of your advice. Right. It's like smart, man. Everything goes back to smart. F and like, smart. I I I'm I don't like smart at all. <laughs> So that's know. the end of my rant. I got nothing. That's great. I, and we're under an hour right now. We have like five minutes left. Is there anything that you need to get off your chest more? Is there anything? Uh, I'd say, uh, well, I mean, as far as the draft mix go, um, keep it up because I feel like it's kind of feeding feeding the, the empty void in, in my life right now as far as uh, where, where, fan, where, uh, where football went. Uh, you know, besides that, uh, I got a baby to put to bed. So, what do you got? <laughs> I got nothing. I have no child. I uh, I do love the draft Knicks. I still oh. don't like smart. Yeah, you don't like smart. But you know, uh, if you ever had a kid, I guess I would be a, a grandfather, right? That's that, yeah. That you would works? be you would be a grandfather. That's pretty <laughs> insane. So, te- I mean, technically, the the child that you're going to be putting to bed after this podcast is my brother. That's well. You know what? That's uh, that's starting to weird me out a little bit. I'll be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit strange. <laughs> Just a little bit. All right, guys. Well, I hope you you all enjoyed another edition of Living the Stream. Uh, I'm JJ Zacharyson. You can find me at Late Round QB, LateRoundQB.com. Write for Pro Football Focus now too, and I've got another Roto World article actually. Uh, I'm in the process of writing, and hopefully that'll be up within the next week or two. Superstar, hopefully. superstar. Yeah. So where can where can they find you, Denny? I'm on the Twitter as at CD Carter13. I write for Sports Jerks and the Fake Football. Um, I write I write a stream a streaming defenses article for for those who are new to uh, my Twitter feed situation. Uh, I write a, it's called Dreaming of Streaming, kind of like wait wait it, is it sure but it but you're never wrong is the thing. Right. Well, I had I had some success last year, and so that's 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 primarily what I write for the fake football. So I'll be uh, uh, cluttering your timelines with that come uh, come August and September. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll get back to you probably in a couple weeks, I'm assuming. But for now, I'm JJ, my co-host Denny, and we are just living the stream. <laughs>